Hey guys, this is Rob from The Nomadic. Check out our new single, Waiting. And I'm listening to The House of Noise. drop the mic we do we're it getting, on time we're getting pretty good we at are this. i just look at you and i'm like hurry he's gonna say it now you can barely see me through the little slit of, i know uh, it's like i have one eye it's like i'm just, I'm just gonna close one of my eyes and i'll be a one-eyed willy looking at you so we had a great interview with uh rob from, from the, band. the nomadic yeah the band nomadic the the, the nomadic the nomadic yes um i mean we went we went through his whole history basically yeah, he's just I, he's been all over man which is where the band name comes from. Right. Nomadic. He's a traveler. Yeah. Uh, his dad was a diplomat. and His mom was a teacher, yes. taught English as a second language and science. I was like, wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. Obviously, she loved science more because she was very upset that <laughs> right. he was not a better scientist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, his dad being a diplomat, obviously, he traveled a lot. And like you said, that's what led to the name. Uh, he has found roots in New York. And, you know, we talked about... His newest release, Waiting, mm-hmm. uh, is up on his YouTube channel. Links will be in the description. And we also talked about mental health. We talked about music, his music taste, well, when he started getting into music. Like I said, we went across the board. Oh, and my goodness. We started from one end <laughs> of the question spectrum and went to the other end. It was yeah. amazing. It was awesome. What a nice guy. What a nice, nice guy. And what a talented a musician, and he has the coolest looking Nickenbacker. Rickenbacker, Jesus, guitar. It's yeah, just Nickenbacker? so. Yeah, Rickenbacker. Pretty cool. You don't see Rickenbackers out a lot. So, Not a ton. you know, no. I mean, it's usually like who are the Stratocaster or, uh, um, shit, the other. Oh, Les Paul. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Les Paul or Stratocaster. I yeah, usually yeah. see the Gibsons, the Les Pauls, the Stratocasters. Yeah. You know, so. Anyway, let's uh, let let's let people uh, listen to the interview and then uh, we hope you enjoy this interview with Rob from the Nomadic and get out there and check out his video waiting and follow him on Facebook under the Nomadic and you know see his stuff, man. Yeah. Support music, damn it! All, All right. right, enjoy. Bye, enjoy. Hello, Rob speaking. Hey. Hey, Rob, what's up? Yeah, it's Jenner and Jim, is it? Yes. yes it is. Uh, cool. How are you guys doing? How's your Sunday coming along? Oh, it's doing uh, very nice. Did a little Skyping to celebrate Mother's Day and my dad's birthday, which is today. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Happy, happy, mother's, happy Mother's Day. Both, both occurring on the same day, right? Birthday yeah. And yeah. Birthday. <laughs> I'm heading out to my mom's uh, later tonight and going to see her and tell her happy Mother's Day and... Give her a hug, because I haven't hugged my mom in a while. Yeah. Right, right, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my mom's in Sydney, so oh. um, she, uh, I called her yesterday, so, you know, they're 14 hours ahead, so yeah. it, was, it was quite cute, because, you know, she's probably my biggest fan, and um, she kind of, like, you know, unpacks and sometimes reads a little bit too much into the lyrics, and, you know, <laughs> and, like, 
and worries about me, you know, like, yeah. oh, are you, are you really treading water? I'm like, no, no, it's just a metaphor. Don't worry about it, you know. And like, are you really drifting? Where are you going? Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. What, are you, what are you waiting for? And, and so um, she actually got up. Uh, she set the alarm for 6.30 because the, the waiting premiere was 5 p.m. our time. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I timed it. So it was like 10 p.m. UK and then 7 a.m. Australia. And she kind of got set the alarm and, and got up. Aww. And she, she was very sweet. She said, oh, that was the sweetest Mother's Day present. So Aww. <laughs> what an awesome mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that brings up a good question for me is you grew, you were born in Australia. But you, yeah. but you lived, you grew up in London? Well, my, my parents were both, um, their careers were international. My dad was a diplomat. My mom was a teacher. And oh, so, okay. yeah, that's kind of where the nomadic theme really started. Gotcha. I mean, as a five-week-old baby, I was taken to Burma, which is like now Myanmar. Oh, wow. Um, three years, then back to Australia a couple of years, then Singapore for two years, Solomon Islands for three years. Oh. And so, I, yeah, eventually we moved to the UK when I was about 10 and a half. Oh, um, my nice. sister was 15, 15, 16. So, yeah, my my sort of primary school and then and high school was mostly in the UK. So, yeah, but that's where the nomadic kind of name came from. <laughs> so, so when did music become part of the picture? Like when did you start picking up, uh, you know, singing and guitar and all that? I think it, you know, when I when I look back, it's always been there. You know, like I remember, I think it was in the Solomon Islands in the 80s. And, you know, like my sister had a Eurythmics record and, oh God, you know, songs like yeah. Boys of Summer and, you know, Die Straits, Money for Nothing, Walk of Life. Like yep. I could always just get lost in songs and lyrics and stories. And I think I took piano lessons when I was very young, six or seven or eight. But there was a famous story when I when I ran out on a concert, I got so nervous. I ran out and my, <laughs> my parents had to sort of talk me into coming back. And I eventually finished the piece. But I think I told them, don't ever make me do that again. You know, right, right. <laughs> now here you are years yeah, later trying to are. get on the stage yeah, exactly but then i think the key thing was around like 15 16 17 like the growth of Britpop and you know oasis and radiohead and the verb yes. and then i had a friend of mine at school who joined and who was an amazing guitarist and everyone just basically demanded that he taught them you know how to play I don't know, Stairway to Heaven and like Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger. Yes. And, you know, so that's probably when it really, the songwriting really picked up around 16, 17, I think. Yeah, that's funny. I, that's a lot of what I hear when I hear your, yeah, your songs, yeah. though, is, you know, a lot of REM, Oasis, U2, you know, a lot of different influences coming in. Oh yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, that's all. They're all great comparisons. Thank you. That's, I'll definitely, I'll definitely take those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonderwall is one of my favorite songs. I love that song. Yeah, it's such a such a sort of timeless classic, right? It's funny, like, because, you know, kids have, I mean, you know, my nephews now think it's great. And like, just everyone, I guess everyone likes that song. You yeah, know? yeah. So the classic it's, songwriting. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny what stands the test of time like that. So what did mom teach? Oh, she was a, um, she taught English as a second language. And oh. she taught, she was a science teacher, which is nice. ironic. Because I, I don't think I really got any science skills from her. I'm like... <laughs> Science and math, you know, really a bit of a gap there. But and I think that was always actually kind of a bit of a frustration to her. She mm. couldn't quite understand why I was getting bad grades in science. But oh, that's fine. Yeah, science is difficult. Science is <laughs> it's science kind is of strange difficult. that she did, you know, a language English class yeah. and science. Those two are usually not uh, parallel with each other. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I guess she's yeah. sort of multi-talented. <laughs> so you know. 
um, I'm curious because being that your father uh, was a diplomat and you got to see different parts of the world, you know, you were young, but is there any part of the world that really like, you know, when you think back, like really sticks out to you, like any kind of experience or, you know, or do you think having that ability to, you know, granted it makes it harder to set up roots and some people adjust to it and some people don't, but I think it also makes you respect other cultures yeah, I think, you know. I think definitely. I mean, to answer the first part of your question, probably the Solomon Islands. I think it's, you know, just, to, you know, obviously in the Pacific, thousands of different islands. We were in the capital, Honiara, but we would travel out on weekends to different islands. And, you know, you could be like, you know, something seen out of Lost, you know, you'd be mm-hmm. catamaraning around around an island. And it was just a very idyllic, um, you know, upbringing for a a kid and yeah that definitely made a big impression and yeah I mean I think there are benefits to it you learn to adjust to different situations to get to know different people different cultures and and sort of fit in I mean the maybe the negative side is you don't have those roots you keep moving a lot yeah um there's definitely pluses and minuses um i think it's probably just fed into that whole nomadic story really you know people people ask about the band name it's like well it's kind of who i am but yeah. if someone asks you like where are you where are you, where are you from you know it sounds a bit weird to say i'm international or i'm nomadic but you know i guess in my case it's kind of true you know it's right. very true yeah yeah there's definitely. definitely a lot of negatives to it too because uh, you, like you said about you know having roots but there's also you know, making friends and then having to leave mm-hmm, after a couple true. of years. And I'm sure that gets hard after a while. Yeah. Have you uh, stayed in contact with a lot of people uh, from your childhood or? Yeah, mostly from the UK onwards, mm-hmm. I guess, like mm-hmm. high school okay. and right. university. I mean, it's been, I mean, Facebook, of course, is right. like, oh, yeah. help, helps you kind <laughs> of track down people. Um, and I think my parents are pretty good as well at keeping in contact. So, you know, old old family friends mm, from those mm-hmm. times will sometimes go and visit them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been a bit tricky as well because, frankly, like you know, I mean, I probably feel Australian, but in Australia, they're like, "Oh, mate, you're you know, you, you don't talk like a real Australian. Yeah. You're, you're, English. you're English." And then in England, they're like, "They're like, uh, well, you're not you're not really one of us. You're Australian." Oh my so gosh. it's like getting a bit caught in between you know it's yeah like, <laughs> it almost gives you a little bit of an identity crisis in a way right like where yeah, do i fall there, there is part of that there is part of that and um that that's sort of i think as i release more songs that i mean part of the songwriting is sort of a cathartic experience mm-hmm. of just sort of mm-hmm. unpacking all of that you yes. know and I, I probably used to get a bit frustrated when people like literally some people would be like no nah, no nah, you're not australian i'm like well i am and they're yeah, like no nah, exactly. nah, you're not really no you're not i'm like well do you want do you want me to bring out my passport or <laughs> right. what, what, what can i do what yeah. can i do but you know to resolve this but now i just sort of um i just sort of laugh it off but yeah. i mean it's it's i have been in situations where i've known that people will be like oh you're english you're not australian so i've said so where are you from i said i'm, I'm english and then one of my friends would be like no you're not you're australian so like, I can't, oh my gosh. <laughs> can't win can't, can't really win but it's right. like i've kind of i kind of learned to embrace it you know yeah. it's sort of more of a strength than anything else and sure, you know, sure. I mean, yeah and actually funnily enough being i've been in new york now for seven and a half years and i, oh, and I think okay. that really turned into a home for me yeah. in new york and especially as no one really cares you like yeah. uh, say i'm australian you don't really get any second questions you know? right <laughs> right well i was gonna ask if you know laying down some roots in new york has helped with all that too but yeah you just answered my question yeah. So, uh, yeah, what, so what ended up what ended up making you want to move to the states? And, yeah, exactly. And what, what made you pick uh, New York? To... Um, well, I'd actually lived here a little bit earlier, um, around 
2007, 2009 in DC, and I really liked it. And um, I mean, I ended up, it was sort of by chance. I'd always had my eye on New York, but mm. I got a job here working with the UN in 2012. Oh, okay. You know, once I got that job, I think my brain started ticking over and I had all these songs and I thought, mm. well, you know, I'd love to start up a band here and, and, and get my songwriting going. And then I think just the, the whole creativity of the, of the city yeah. sort of worked, worked in my favor. And, you know, you can't help but be inspired by... Being in New York, and I'm also in Long Island City. I have a great view of Manhattan, so it's oh, very cool. ins- inspirational for songwriting. So, do you still do a lot of traveling? Less so in my current job, but um, yeah, in the last few years, I, yeah, I've been to uh, quite a few, quite a few countries. Um, yeah. I mean, the agency I work for works on the coordination of humanitarian response, so oh, okay. a lot of sort of crisis, fragile states uh, contexts. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's pretty interesting job. Yeah, I should be very, uh, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. <laughs> You've probably been pretty busy lately, then, huh? Yeah, yeah, we've been working. We've been working a lot on the COVID nineteen response, and mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly in humanitarian contexts. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a it's been a busy time for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you on waiting the B roll shots. Um, was that actual um, random shots, or yeah, was that stock footage, or was that actual shots from like Australia uh, and England and uh, New York? Yeah, we we used a bit of both. You know, we used okay. a bit of both. We wanted to kind of capture that theme of the clocks, the time ticking, yeah, that was cool. airports, trains, you know, travel. And I mean, it was shot obviously pre-COVID. And now when, when I watch it in the current environment, I think, <laughs> oh, how strange that, you know, there's that scene where people are like holding on to the, um, the rails oh, in the yeah. subway. I'm like, yeah. oh, that, that doesn't happen anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, obviously we'll at uh, some point get back to a new normal, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting yeah. to watch it in the current environment for yeah, sure definitely, definitely. <laughs> well how long did it take to get the whole video um together um yeah it took took a while i mean we shot it in july of last year i, mean, I kind of had it ready to go to be honest but yeah it took a few weeks back and forth and with the final mastering of the track but then i just kind of wanted to plan out the releases a little bit you know i mean there's that i had that kind of debate whether to put out an album or singles and mm-hmm. i just sort of settled on the fact that it's better for me now to, to just put out singles and videos so each one of them will kind of get you know get the attention hopefully they they deserve so the, the shooting and the development didn't take that long but i just wanted to kind of just sort of have it released at the right time, you know, not not rush it. I mean, I have a ton of songs and I'm going to start releasing, you know, now. But at the same time, it's that that saying, you know, if a tree falls in the forest mm. and no one heard it fall, like, <laughs> did it even fall, you know? Right, so, right. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. You know, I want to make sure, you know, I put the right amount of effort around marketing, publicity and, and just sort of, you know, get the word out a little bit. Right. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. So I wanted to ask you your guitar. Yes. It's a Rick Rickenbacker. And yes. did you have someone make that for you? It, it just, the design is, it's really different and cool. I don't think I've ever seen one like it. Oh, no, I, I didn't. I didn't actually get that one uh, custom made, actually. No. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a pretty unique uh, kind of design. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rickenbacker. So I might look to get a couple more um, custom made. But uh, no, no, that one wasn't wasn't especially especially made. But it's yeah, it's just become a bit of a staple of my live shows and, and videos. So I like to show it off wherever possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, but, uh, a lot of people I mean, I obviously love it. But I have a lot of um, a lot of people who talk about it and especially in the video and yeah it gets a lot of uh, positive feedback from <laughs> friends and uh 
and I always use it. I mean, I have, I do have a couple of like sort of backup ones, but mm-hmm. um, in you know for live shows. But I'll always go with the Rickenbacker. Yeah. So what made you decide to go with the Rickenbacker? Like, what guitars were you using before that? Um, you know, like Telecasters, Stratocasters. Okay. Um, I have a, a couple of acoustics, like a Mason, which is a really good Australian mm-hmm. mate. Um, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, I just tried out various ones and I think it was John Lennon who had a Rickenbacker, right? So it's obviously yeah, yep. felt like I was in pretty good company. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it just sounded, sounded great, you know, particularly yeah. with the kind of delay pedals and mm, yep. things like that. So yeah. it just seemed to, when I tried it out, I felt like it would really suit my songwriting and, and particularly where I wanted to go in terms of songwriting, which is like um, using a lot of delay and mm, mm-hmm. um, different effects. I felt that would really work well. Yeah. For waiting, did you do all the instrumentation yourself or did you have um, friends that came in and that were fellow musicians that kind of helped you? Yeah, I had, I had um, I have a, a different friends who helped out. Um, uh, Monica Cialona um, is um, at Daphne Music. She's a very, very, very talented singer and pianist. She did the backing vocals and a uh, friend, Fabrice uh, Gamon, um, who's our drummer. He uh, he did the drums and then a great producer at uh, at Axis Sound New York, um, Steve Rossiter. And he did a lot of the instrumentation with the piano and some of the guitar effects. Um, and then I played, I played um, the guitar on it. Um, so yeah it was definitely definitely a team effort the final production (laughs) what is your ultimate plan are you just going to release enough to create an album or do you think at some point you'll just you know release an album or an ep or whatever or i I saw that you do have a show coming up on the Mm. what was it july yeah july 25th yeah the knitting factory i mean that Um, one's up in the air i'm sure whether or not it'll still happen but yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I think the good thing for me is that playing live a lot from sort of 2016, 17 onwards, you know, every couple of weeks, every month in New York. And I was sort of testing out a whole range of songs and seeing how people like them. And I hadn't really released anything. I mean, I may have released a couple of live tracks on YouTube, but I hadn't released anything on Spotify. And so it was always the plan this year, actually, to probably release more and play live slightly less and so now you know forced into a situation where (laughs) it's uh you know through through no sort of choice of any of us um of basically releasing songs yeah Mm -hmm. just releasing songs videos you know keep trying to build the following keep trying to you know get it out you know the youtube uh instagram facebook you know twitter tiktok following Mm -hmm. whatever all of that stuff that we have to do now (laughs) All of those necessary evils. No, they're, <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. They're not evils. But it's very right. necessary social media. But um, yeah, I think it's just that really. Just just release the songs, uh, release the videos, and I think by word, just by word of mouth, just um, you know, keep getting them in front of new ears. I think, and then, I mean, I would like to do an album. I'm not sure if that will be the end of this year or maybe mid next year Mm. Uh, because as I said earlier I'd like each song to kind of get the attention and you know merit that it deserves and then you know by maybe by this time next year if I've released maybe six or eight I can look to put out an album that would probably be the the thinking and then hopefully we'll be back to playing live by then Um, you know fingers crossed we're all keeping our fingers crossed right yeah yeah. definitely yeah we are we are so keeping our fingers crossed over here (laughs) so are you are you constantly writing all the time like do you carry around a notebook or maybe jot just jot things down on your phone every yeah, once in a like while if you 
Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm always writing, and I have a, a whole backlog of songs that I want to get <laughs> recorded and produced. And I keep a phone near me if I get an idea, I record it because I had an annoying experience in I think it was November 2016 when I thought that I'd written like the best song ever written, and then <laughs> uh, within a week somehow I've forgotten it, and I did that. Oh, <laughs> it's like very no. frustrating. So since then, yeah, I have a notebook. I use the like the notes function on my phone. I use the voice memos just to record everything. And um, yeah, I mean, this is quite a this is quite a fertile time for writing. You know, with everything going on um, with COVID and and with the tragedy that New York's going through and, mm-hmm. and the US and the world's going through. So yeah, I've been writing quite a lot of stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't know when it's going to see the light of day. I mean, there's an argument for putting it out now, right? But mm-hmm. um, I do have a backlog of some other stuff. It's part of the joy of it, right? Like just just writing. I mean, it, it, there's a great line from a, a U2 song, which is like a, a song that I can sing in my own company. I think it's called um, "You Got Stuck in a Moment, and You Can't Get Out of It." And mm. that 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 song, that lyric, always sort of stuck with me. It's like you're first of all trying to write a song that you can sing in your own company and then you know if your taste is some somehow okay then hopefully other people will like it so yeah i mean i think at the very bare minimum it's it's just it's a passion that just gives me so much joy songwriting and seeing a song and lyrics come together and kind of metaphors it's a very fine line right with a metaphor Mm -hmm. that's cliched and Mm -hmm. really trite and not going to work and then and then one that somehow does and that's like such a thrill when you realize you've fallen on the right side of that line yeah yeah definitely It's funny, you were mentioning the song that you thought you had wrote the greatest song in the world. It reminded me of Tenacious D, the tribute song. (laughs) So you need to write a tribute song to that greatest song that you ever wrote. Exactly. That's fairly, if I remember correctly, that's fairly heavily lifted from Stairway to Heaven, isn't it? There's right, like, right. Yes. There's some very similar chords there, the sort of A minor yes. DM uh, progression. But yeah, no, I'm a, a big fan of Tenacious D. I remember oh, once um, played that song on Bondi Beach in Sydney, and like I, it was the time it came out. So mm, like, I suddenly right. had a crowd of like 50 people around me. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, and no, I'm a very big fan of Tenacious D. Oh. They're, they're great. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, that's one that's one group that's on my bucket list to see because I'm a big Jack Black fan and they're just they're kind of like comedy, but I mean he really you know he's a he good can singer. Play. He yeah. is great. Yeah, it's always like incredible, right? These people who who are just so like multi talented and you know like Hollywood Hollywood uh, you know, actor and then mm-hmm. also an amazing songwriter. It's like wow, how did you get how did you get so many skills? Yeah, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now you had the video release for uh, Waiting Yesterday. I guess it was released at five o'clock New York time, ten p.m. London. 7 a.m. Sydney was the date and the times was that all purposeful was that been planned ahead of time or yeah I just thought um, that would be a good time that would work for New York and also the UK because I know that had some fans who wanted to watch in the UK and then okay it's a bit of an early start for Australia so (laughs) (laughs) but um, but no it was really great you know we had a great great crowd attend the premiere and you know with the countdown and everything this just builds a bit of drama and tension into it so (laughs) and I was really happy with the video I hope I hope people get a chance to check it out and um, you know subscribe to our YouTube um, because yeah, I was. I mean, I was happy with drifting. That was the first video um, that, that I put out, and um, this one waiting. And then I've got another one coming out probably in June called Beyond Blue, which kind of looks at oh. issues around depression and mental health. Okay. And um, so I'll be pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was really really happy with the with the waiting video for sure. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pull a card from your mother's uh, deck. You know, you're mentioning the song The Blue. Is that based on personal experiences or do you struggle with uh, different types of depression or anything like that? I mean, personally, yeah, Beyond Blue um, in Australia, I guess it's the same in the US. Blue just means like being down or depressed right. or sad. So it's like, you know, getting Beyond Blue. Um, I mean, there have been periods in my life um, just going through through normal stuff that everyone goes through, I guess, where, you know, I've been I've been pretty low. I mean, I, I think I realize now that it's only going to last a couple of days, you know, maybe three days. And then, you know, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic at nature. So I'll, I'll pull through it. And I think, I think I kind of have the tools now, you know, calling up friends, yeah. doing some exercise, eating well, sleeping well, yeah. you know, staying hopeful, especially with the music, mm. uh, writing gratitude lists, you know, yes. prayer and meditation. I, I have the tools to pull through those moments, but it's also like, you know, in my family, there's, there's, mm. there's you know, depression and sadness is something that's definitely you know, affected, you know, uh, people I know and, um, and friends and, um, you know, um, that they've, you know, suicide has been something that, that I've kind of witnessed in my life with like teachers at school and friends or parents of friends. And that's always been something that's, uh, that's been there and that's popped up, you know, every once in a while. So I just thought it would be a, you know, an interesting topic to kind of explore in a song, um, and it's it's definitely an issue that I'd that I'd like to you know get involved with and support where possible. You know, just the idea that there's always someone to talk to, there's always a way out of a problem, there's always someone who's gone through what you're going through. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. That's something, and it's such a big and maybe not un, underrated is the wrong word, but something that people don't always think about. But it is a, obviously a, a massive thing that affects society. I think you know depression and mental health. I believe so too. Yeah, we we both suffer from different forms of depression. She has bipolar, and I'm uh, manic depressant. But you know, yeah. we, we you know we've learned our own little things of working through them and and or medication. Mm -hmm. I don't like the medication just because of the way it makes me feel. But you know, I've I'm one of the lucky few that has figured out a way. You know, like you, I just kind of wait a few days, try to stay positive. You know, do the things that help to get me through it. But there's a lot of people out there that don't know that and they don't feel like there's anybody out there that will listen to them. Right. It's, right. Def it's definitely a big issue and it's a worldwide issue. It gets uh, gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I come from, I mean, America's probably the same, but I come from like, you know, cultures in Australia and the UK where it's like, you know, be tough, oh, you know, yeah. be, a, yeah. be a man, you know, whatever that means, yeah. you know, kind of don't, don't talk about your feelings too yeah. much, you know, kind of, and I think that's changing now, which is, which is really healthy. I think uh, I can see that sort of evolving. Um, so, you know, as long as people know that there's support groups they can reach out to, there's hotlines they can reach out to, there's, there's friends, there's people who've been through it before. I think that's, that's the first step, right? Well, yeah. recognizing the problem and then knowing that there's a solution to it. Um, that's been my experience. Yeah, that's I've been dealing with the same thing. You know, the, you know, you have to be a man. Men don't cry, and you know, I'm starting to, you know, feel more comfortable in myself, and you know, letting my my feelings actually come out a little bit. And it's hard. I mean, that, like I said, that's how I grew up. So it's trying to break that cycle is a difficult thing. But I I do see a lot of change coming for those issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of documentaries, a lot of you know, there's there's lots of things that are dedicated, you know, to that issue too. Right, right, and I, I think sometimes it's you know you mentioned identity before, and it's 
it's a matter of kind of just going on that journey to find yourself. And the, the music is part of that for me and the songwriting, because I don't know whether I just perceived it when I was younger, that this is maybe not necessarily what I should be doing with my life or whatever. But, you know, as you get older and you realize that, you know, you only you only live once, right? You have to mm-hmm. just like <laughs> make yeah. sure you have absolutely no regrets. And so that's something that I'm just like owning now, like, you know, songwriting is probably the most important thing in my life. I write songs primarily for myself and then for my friends and fans who'll enjoy it. And, you know, I mean, I haven't had too much criticism or internet trolling or whatever, but that, that may come as, 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 as I grow as an artist, I'm not sure, but it's just like kind of just, you know, recognizing that you do what you do for you. And there's some people who like it and there's some people who don't like it. And, and that's totally okay. You know? Yeah, right, we we right. see the same thing in the podcast world. I've been doing a lot of, you know, I'm on a lot of different groups and everything. And there's all these people that are like, well, how do I make money at this? How do I, yeah, you, know, how, yeah. you know, it's like you shouldn't be doing it to make money at it. No. You should be doing it because you love what you do. And we love talking to artists like yourself and getting to know you and finding out how you have evolved from where you began, how you got into where you're at and where you plan on going or where you hope to make it to. Right, right, right. And I, it, honestly, like that's kind of why I feel such an affinity and love for New York, because I think there's a lot of other places in the world that are, maybe have a more of a conservative outlook, like, oh, why, why are you doing that? Or, you know, why are you trying that? Whereas in New York, it's more like, why aren't you trying yeah, that? Exactly. And, and, and don't talk about it. Just get out and do it. You know, yeah. and that, I think that's probably a factor why, I mean, I'm, I've probably written 80, 90% of my t- material in New York in the last five, six years. And um, it's just that feeling of, you know, can do and you, you can do it if, if you want. And, and you define success. Like you said before, it's not really about money or fame. It's like, it's about doing what makes you happy and kind of owning your identity and paying homage and honor to your, to your passion and, um, and letting go of the results, I think as well, just enjoy the process, let go of the results. That's not really up to you. And um, I think when, once I got into that mindset, it was very empowering and, and it's just an enabled me to, to enjoy every second you know and, and realize that i that i am living my dream you know it doesn't have to go i hope it goes further it doesn't have to though you know i'm already kind of like you know living the dream basically which is amazing and you know i you know obviously have no no life regrets now i've i've done this you know yeah i was gonna ask i was looking at your facebook page and i see that there is a drawing of it looks like a, a wolf yeah, it, yeah. It, i love it because i'm a i'm a i'm a dog I'm a dog wolf lover. I'm an animal lover too. But um, was that something that you came up with? Did you find that and say that's, you know, what made you just, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the wolf thing, it just sort of had that imagery, I guess, of like, yeah, nomadic, um, I don't know, fearlessness, um, traveling, moving around, or, you know, the four, the four wolves mm-hmm. kind of always, mm-hmm. always evolving, always yes. being on the move. And, you know, we work with a, a graphic designer on different kind of animal like logos. And, and then it, this one, I just like kind of fell in love with. And it's funny, like a lot of my sort of friends and fans, I guess, have been like, we love the logo. And, and they've kind of a bit like a song. They've kind of interpreted it in different, you know, weird and wonderful ways. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I hadn't actually thought of that you know right. um so it's yeah I, I just yeah i like i like what kind of what it stands for you know well if you think about it at the time of civilization it was like you know you had the wolves and you had clans kind of moving around and they had to coexist but they were always on the move because they have to move to find food and they have to move to safety so it's it it you know it it's does very, very jive fitting. with yeah it, it does fit 
Yeah, exactly. And be part of that identity piece, you know, kind of you know, on the move and never feeling totally stable, never feeling totally safe, you know, as you mm-hmm. said, hunting for food. I mean, there's all of that kind of um, wrapped into it as well. But yeah, I've had a lot of friends say, oh, yeah, we, we really identify with that. And I think when I tell my story, like a lot of people identify with that feeling of not quite at home or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not quite mm-hmm. steady. And so, yeah, I, re- I really like the logo. So when you're writing songs, do you keep them a little looser so that way they could be interpreted? Mm-hmm in different ways i think so was it bob dylan who kind of said uh, paraphrasing but yeah i'm not going to tell you the meaning of a song it's it's up to you to mm-hmm. <laughs> it's up to you to mm-hmm. interpret it um yeah i mean I'll, I'll sometimes go for different metaphors i think that can be interpreted in different ways i mean like for example waiting i mean sometimes it comes to me a bit later um almost i write in a state of subconscious and it comes a bit later i mean waiting is of course you know classically about waiting for a lover you know to or a friend to be kind of ready or, or come through a tough period or you know for a reconciliation or just like waiting for someone but it's also like waiting for you know trains planes the amount of time we spend yeah, waiting waiting. You know, mm-hmm. waiting in you know in the pre-covid world of course and now waiting to get back to normal but then also it's some of it's a little bit like kind of waiting for my true self or you know mm-hmm. always waiting mm-hmm. for our true mm-hmm. selves to achieve our full potential you know i've kind of um ignored the bob dylan rule and told you what what, what i interpret <laughs> what i interpret for waiting but i've had a lot of people on social media like oh I, i'm waiting for this i'm waiting for this you know it's like in this kind of period of lockdown you know what it is we're most waiting for what, what it is we're most looking forward to you know um so i'm happy that people have been able to you know picture it in different ways well maybe the next uh, single you release you don't don't tell them what you were feeling and just let them go crazy with it then yeah. <laughs> yeah. well i've given you guys an exclusive i haven't really talked about it much until now so um so yeah i mean it's um but yeah, I mean, I enjoy talking about what I was thinking with the songs. Um, and sometimes there's different la- layers to it. It might be like a, a political thing in my head and then or more social. And then it's wrapped up in something personal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it sort of comes to me in layers, I guess. But I yeah, I like the way people can just interpret it as they want. So what do you listen to on a daily basis? Like right. who's in your playlist that you you like your go to different artists or bands or musicians? I mean, you know, some of the I mean, I'm of course a big fan of some of the old stuff like, you know, the, the Beatles and the Stones. And obviously there's the kind of like Radiohead. And, Wait a minute. So you like uh, the Beatles and the Stones? I thought that was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a long enough time passed, so we can we can like both. Of them. Um, you know, of course, any anything by Oasis and Coldplay yeah. and Radiohead and um, some of the newer stuff. I'm, I really like. You know, Don't Believe in Ghosts. Um, I like. Mm. There's a cool band in New York called G Natural. Um, the Die Sound. Um, Daphne music, some cool up and coming New York bands, Big Thief music, and then yeah, I mean like you know Bruce Springsteen going back, Bob Dylan. Some New York bands like oh, Phosphorescent. I really love Phosphorescent song. Vizula, The National. I always listen to them. War on Drugs. So, yeah, I try and mix it up a bit. Listen to some mix of old and new. So is there anybody that you would like to work with? Or is there somebody that you have worked with in the music business that you uh, kind of got you excited or, you know, starstruck in a way? Um, well, I mentioned Don't Believe in Ghosts. Um, so their lead singer, St- uh, Steve Nathan, I'd love to maybe do a writing session with him at one point. And I mentioned also Monica Chalona, mm-hmm. Daphne Music, The Die Sound, The Die, they're a very cool band. I'd love to, to write with them. I mean, I guess, you know, if I was like, 
I don't know, Chris Martin or Noel Gallagher uh, oh was a like, collaboration. Yeah. That, that, I, would, I wouldn't say no. Right, right. Say, right. I, I, I would negotiate hard, but I wouldn't say no. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be cool, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I'm always, yeah, definitely open to, to collaboration for sure. Yeah, that would be nice. That uh, I think that's one advantage to a lot of artists out there who are kind of um, doing it themselves or kind of solo. Maybe they have friends that come and play on the track, but uh, mostly they're doing it themselves. So they do have the more of the ability to go and be collaborative with another artist. Yeah, and I think it's just really healthy, right? Like in terms of diversifying songwriting and lyric ideas can only strengthen you as an artist to think to collaborate exactly uh, something we see a lot and what we're doing is we notice there's a lot of um a lot of people everybody knows each other yeah it's i mean yeah. it's, 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 a, it's more about who you know than anything i know along this journey that you're going on you're going to end up meeting a lot of people hopefully you meet some of your heroes and uh I forgot what I was trying to say there, but I think that was kind of the point. Yeah, I think you were going there. Yeah, you just close the sentence with, "and you'll have a good time." Yeah, yeah. there you, you go. Know, yeah. There you go. You'll meet a lot of people, and you can probably finish most sentences like that. And yeah, you'll have a I great time, so. you know. I think so. <laughs> because of your current job situation, if yeah. if your pro- if this project starts picking, you know, gaining speed, and people, you know, you want to go out and start touring more, is your work going to allow you to be able to go out and do that, or are there or have you not thought about that? I'm going to ask you to take up that negotiation with my boss, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you seem like a good negotiator. No, I mean, I think, to be honest, they've been they've been very supportive. Um, they gave. They, I took a year's sabbatical last year to to focus a lot on uh, playing live and and like you know producing a lot of the songs and, and the videos. And um, a lot of my colleagues are, are friends and also fans of the Nomadic, so I think they'd be pretty flexible with it um I'll, I'll definitely cross that bridge when i come to it but i do know i have you know within my um organization a lot of friends and and, and supporters of what i'm doing i think it's healthy to be able to have a passion and interest outside of work exactly. um, and I, I mean i'm honestly very passionate about both you know the work that i'm doing and the music and so far it's a sort of um you know sort of symbiotic relationship like one is kind of supporting and, and, and feeding the other uh, you know creatively and, and just practically um so i'd want to keep that going and um but you know as you said if it really picks up then i'll have to cross that bridge when i come to it right yeah. i i hope you had fun talking to us today yeah me too yeah, it was amazing. It's amazing. You made my Sunday. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us, and we wish you nothing but the best. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, if if people can follow us at at the Nomadic Band and um, you know check out, subscribe to the YouTube, that would be that would be amazing. Well, we'll continue to follow you and see what's next around the corner. Fantastic, and hopefully before long we can welcome you guys at one of our shows. Oh, definitely. That would be awesome. (laughs) Cool. All right, happy Mother's Day and happy birthday to your father. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Happy Mother's Mother's Day. Day. (laughs) Okay, bye. Stay safe. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye.